I like to think I know who I am, but each time I do, a couple of years go by and I feel like a completely new person. I'm constantly trying to improve myself. I see my flaws and my failures and I try to do better the next time. One thing I've been constantly trying to improve is my art is real. I was uncertain about what exactly it was supposed to be, but a while back I finally figured it out. I want it to be a community of like-minded art lovers who can come together and support one another and tell the stories of these great living artists. It's a lot of work to get all of this done by myself, but it's a goal that I just can't let go of. So if you find any joy in this podcast, please spread the word to anyone you know and help this show grow so that I can dedicate even more time to telling these inspiring stories. This is the My Art is Real podcast and narrative journey into the lives that shape art. I'm your host, Jacob Johnson, and this is episode 25, Anthony Hurd. This is Anthony Hurd, an artist born and raised in the suburbs of Kansas City, Missouri, and currently residing in New Mexico. Today, Anthony is a full-time painter, but the path to get there took quite a long time and a lot of different turns. So let's rewind to the beginning of Anthony's story. How was it for you growing up in the suburbs of uh, Kansas City? At the time, I thought it was pretty horrendous. (laughs) Um, I was just a weird kid. I was into a lot of different things, and it was not a very uh, open culture. I kind of spent most of my childhood figuring out how to get out of there. You know, when I when I look back at it, my childhood in general, you know, I think we had it good because we didn't have the internet. We actually spent time outside and, you know, we explored the world in a very different way than kids do today. But, um, you know, Missouri wasn't the friendliest of places for me growing up. Anthony felt like they didn't fit in growing up. Neither did I. Growing up in the South was very much if you don't like sports or hunting, you were considered weird. So for a kid like me who was more interested in playing video games and watching Dragon Ball Z, it was hard to find others with similar interests. So I spent most of my time alone becoming immersed in my own thoughts and these different video game worlds I was exposed to. While we both felt like outsiders, Anthony's interest lied elsewhere. I just, I skateboarded when no one else was. I uh, was into a lot of like hardcore and punk rock music and uh, I was an artist, you know, none of these things were common um, where I was. It was a very kind of white bread, uh, all American type of situation. While I had trouble finding friends with similar interests, Anthony was able to find a group that loved skating and punk rock just as much. Um, There was kind of like a boom of skating in the 80s where everybody skated, but then that died off like after a couple of years and there was only like two or three of us left. Um, So the group was considerably smaller and we were definitely kind of the misfits of um, the school and the area. And along with all these other interests came art, which Anthony had a natural talent for creating. Well, early on even, I would say like second, third grade, I remember that they would do like coloring contests or the American Royal would have like uh, contests where you 
paint a cow or, you know, whatever. And I just remember like being good at it. And I was always, you know, winning these contests. And at first it was kind of like a great excuse to be able to go to a pizza party, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I really enjoyed doing it. So I, um, I was always drawing or, you know, as it progressed, as it got a little bit older, it was not always just drawing or painting. You know, I, I liked sewing. I like made clothes and I did sculptural stuff and I, you know, experimented a lot. Um, skateboarding in itself really introduced me to a lot of different music and a lot of different design styles. And it um, it's like a really eclectic uh, mix of worlds so it just brought a lot to me um kind of culturally for anthony art quickly became more than something to do for fun but something that they had to do to survive in this rough situation they were born into yeah i mean i grew up really poor well we were the kind of poor that when your friends and families donated to the school uh, clothing and food, it went to us. <laughs> so we were like wearing the clothes that the other kids donated. And, um, so that's kind of why I learned to sew. Cause I could like change the clothes and make them not look, uh, like the shit that the other kids donated. But my, both my parents, um, dealt with addiction issues, especially my mom. So she wasn't working most of the time. My dad split when I was about seven. So I was always looking for ways to like make a couple extra bucks to pay for a skateboard or music or whatever I needed to get my hands on. Anthony was born into a really tough spot. And when you're in a situation like that, you can either sink or swim. Anthony chose to swim and got to work hustling their butt off. Uh, and so what were all some of the ways that you were making money uh, to try to afford different things? Uh, I would mow lawns and shovel driveways and just, you know, any any little thing that I could think of. Uh, even all the way through high school, I made clothing and I sold them at the local skate shops and sold them to kids at school. Um, I did a lot, like I said, drawing um, album art, skateboard graphics and um I had some commissions from teachers who wanted me to like do uh, portraits of their family or uh, had one of my principals wanted me to do a portrait of his house and ink and you know it was just like any anything that was available that was gonna get me some money I was pretty open to it for a lot of people art is a luxury but for Anthony it was all about survival and finding a way out of the poverty in Missouri how did it feel for you to to kind of be known as the art kid and to sell your art at such a young age? I didn't have a lot of personal attachment to it. It uh, it was like I don't know, it just it was a means to an end. So it, I didn't have a particular feeling on that front. I mean, I definitely liked kind of being known as like an artist that young and having kids always, you know, if somebody needed art or needed something, they'd refer to me and, you know, I was that guy. So it gave me confidence 
in ways that I probably wouldn't have received it otherwise. You know, I don't know. When you're a kid, you don't necessarily have a real connection to your emotions or or understand your feelings. And this is also the 80s when we didn't talk about feelings. You know, it was like, suck it, suck it up, don't cry, you know, whatever. We didn't have all the terms that we use today to um, describe, you know, mental illnesses and uh, just communication in general. Uh, so I, I really didn't think much about how I felt. How did it feel to come from the family you came from and see addiction like that? Did you kind of, did you always feel like you didn't want to end up that way? Or what was your kind of thoughts toward it? When you're in it, you don't really know the difference. You know, I didn't have a different family. I didn't have a normal family. So it was the only family I knew. You know, I knew it was different than my friends and then what most of the people I knew were experiencing, but, you know, it was just what I grew up in. And I I knew that I didn't want to be in it longer than I had to. Um, a big part of what I think made skateboarding so appealing to me as I pursued it further was that um, it got me out of the house all the time. So I, I didn't have to be around it as much. I spent a lot of time with my friends, spending the night at their house, or I'd be in the in the city, Kansas City, versus the suburb, um, skating and hanging out with different people. And maybe subconsciously, I spent a lot of time coming up with ways to not be home, to not have to deal with that. And that was that was my way. The way that Anthony finally figured out to escape for good was to go to art school. My goal really early on was like go to college at an art school in like New York, LA or San Francisco, you know, go to a big city where I know there's a lot going on and I can like be myself, you know, and I was leaning towards California because of skateboarding. I could skateboard all year round as opposed to being, you know, stuck in the winters of the East coast, like I was in the Midwest, but that was like my basic goal was just work hard at art so that I can get into an art school and and get out of here. And the issue wasn't with getting accepted into art school, but it was affording to go, which Anthony soon realized wasn't going to become a possibility at that time. <laughs> it came down to I, I got accepted to schools in New York and San Francisco and Maryland, and I got scholarships, but I didn't get full scholarships um i had a 75 percent um offer at sva and i couldn't come up with the other 25 percent. i didn't have a parent that would co-sign for anything and um, i was unable to get any student loans so i just decided well i'm not gonna go to college then and i'll just stay in kansas city After that, Anthony didn't have a real plan but to stay in Kansas City and keep trying to survive and create art. I really didn't make any plans beyond that. My plan at that point was just survive. You know, I was living with three to four roommates at a time. I was working uh, part-time to full-time. 
And after high school, it was just kind of like, well, let's just see what happens. You know, I ditched the plan that I have, didn't have a new one. So I just kind of was winging it. Without that plan to move away, Anthony had to accept their situation and adapt to this new reality. And that meant that they had to become their true self. Stick around, because what happens next is going to change everything for Anthony. Hey, this is the ad break, but we don't have a sponsor. We could use some support for you, though, the listener. My goal is not only to tell each guest story in the best way I can, but to use those stories to inspire others to keep trying to achieve their own dreams. My dream is to tell these stories full time. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send a link to the show to any of your friends you think will check it out. Thank you for the support and enjoy the episode. Not only did Anthony feel different with their interest, but Anthony knew that they were queer and spent their entire life up to that point living in the closet. Probably knew I was queer by the age of like eight, but I was also highly aware that it was not an acceptable thing where we were. A big factor in Anthony's reasoning for wanting to move to a bigger city was the hope that they could become themselves there and be openly queer. But luckily for Anthony, they discovered a community right there in Kansas City that they could become a part of. At the age of 19, I had met someone for the first time that I was having a relationship with. It was completely, you know, secretive and closeted and whatever, but it just made me feel like, okay, I could, I can do this here. You know, I I had received more information. There was things going on in Kansas City that I wasn't aware of. There was like a small gay world there. So I just thought, well, then I'll just, you know, deal with whatever is accessible to me. And they soon realized it was time for them to come out to their friends and the world. I was living with a group of guys that were also artists and a couple of them skated and they're good friends of mine. And they were kind of big in the local uh, graffiti and hip hop scenes. And um, I just, I don't know, there's kind of a point with coming out where you just reach your, like it's the end of your wits. There's, you just can't hold it anymore. So um, I've always kind of been an all or nothing. Like I, If I do something, I don't do it halfway. I just fully dive in. And so when I decided I was going to come out, it was kind of like, it's just like a big fuck you. Like if you don't, if you don't like it, (laughs) that's tough shit. And so I just told everybody at once and including my roommates and everything. And first it was finding the community of skating, punk rock, art kids. Then it was finding the gay community hidden within the city. But Anthony still felt a sense of difference, as it was hard to find someone within that gay community that was interested in the same hobbies as Anthony was. I mean, I was still an outcast because in the gay world, especially in Kansas City, there wasn't a lot of like punk rock skateboarding queer people. You know, like I, I was still very different. Now I was just very different in a different environment. Um, and so there was a lot of 
struggles where I was trying to find my identity within this new space where there was no other person like me within that space. So while surviving in Kansas City was okay, it was simply that. It was surviving, and Anthony still desired to move away and find better success. One day, an opportunity came to move to Florida, and they went on their way. Well, I, I still wanted out of, Kansas, out of Kansas City. Like, that never changed. When I first turned 21, I tried to move to Florida with um, someone who I, who I just met, who was on his way down there, and it ended up being an absolute, like, shit show, crazy thing he had dementia because of cancer and he pulled a gun on me and he slashed all my tires and like a <laughs> whole big story um and i ended up right back in kansas city within like a week whoa 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 wait anthony got a gun pulled on them i have to hear more of this story uh on your way to florida i mean how far did y'all make it before he pulled a gun on you we got all the way to um uh, St. Petersburg, which is where we were going. And it was my truck that we drove. So I basically called my ex, my now ex at the time, and asked him to Western Union me a couple hundred dollars so I could get my tire fixed and, um, and drive back. Man, that's, that's scary. <laughs> Jeez. It was scary, but at the same time, it was like, I lived in the ghetto. I grew up poor. You know, I went to a school. I went to a school full of like gang violence and <laughs> other shit. So it was like, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't phase me all that much. No. <laughs> but this whole experience somehow didn't stop Anthony from trusting others and traveling completely across the country to go live with them. This time, though, it was going to the city of angels. So that didn't work out. And then uh, at the bar that I worked at, one of my regular customers, him and his partner broke up and he said, well, I'm moving back to California. And I was just like, well, I'll go. <laughs> so, and he, so he asked his friend and they said, yeah, you can sleep on the couch for like a month um, while you get yourself figured out. So uh, that's what I did. I just threw my skateboard my computer, a couple bags of clothes, and like a Budweiser box full of personal items in this uh, car and drove to California with no plan whatsoever other than I have a couch to sleep on for one month. And it was out in LA that they finally found this place to fit in. And, uh, and that's where I finally like felt like I found my, my group and my friends. You know, I met other queer people who skated. I met other queer people who liked the same kind of music. You know, we had a lot of the same interests and like the same movies. And so it was like, that's where I really felt like probably myself for the first time. Anthony had done it. They found a place to fit in and got out of Missouri, but they had no real plan. Soon, Anthony got a job at a gay bathhouse, but quickly ruined their stay on the sofa at the place they were living by pissing off neighbors with skating. So they had to move to the hood, which wasn't too bad for Anthony. Throughout all of Anthony's life, art never stopped. 
Anthony had jobs to pay the bills and would make art constantly, even when working on various small projects for friends. Projects like punk rock magazines and hip-hop magazines their roommates made back in Kansas City. Yeah, I wasn't doing shows or, or anything. I was doing some stuff for the zines that I was working on, and then one of my roommates did a um, magazine, like a hip-hop magazine called Flavor Pack. I was kind of working on some stuff for them. I don't think anything I drew ever made it to his magazine, but I did some music reviews. And I think when I was about 20, I ended up doing a small show at the restaurant that I worked at. While these projects brought in little to no money, they did allow Anthony to build up quite the portfolio, which allowed them to land a job in advertising. Yeah, it was, you know, just random album art I'd done for friends, you know, some of the magazine layouts I'd done for ourselves. I ended up getting a job at a, at a dot-com in 99 when the dot-com thing was blowing up. And it wasn't advertising, but it was like, it was a job that I worked long hours and it gave me a ton of experience. Then helped build my portfolio way up. And so after like six months of that job, I was able to um, get a job at one of the local design studios. And how did that feel to, to get a job without going to any college or anything like that, just purely off of hard work? Um, I don't know. I just, I just always assume I can do things. <laughs> I didn't, but, but I also feel like I'm kind of hustler of sorts. Like, you know, like, you know, I'll do whatever I have to do to get where I want to go. And so, um, I just, wherever I go, I just work hard. And, um, you know, I went from like, a junior designer to senior art director in one year at the first agency I worked at. Anthony would then go on to work in advertising for 20 years, working for some of today's top brands. What allowed Anthony to achieve all of this was a lot of hard work and very little self-doubt. And when you have this idea that you can achieve anything and you don't let other thoughts and, and doubts cloud your ambitions, you often end up achieving more than you could have ever expected and more than most people thought even possible. Of course, that doesn't mean that you can just go into life with unrealistic expectations, but you absolutely need to have confidence in yourself and the discipline to apply that confidence into hard work, which luckily, Anthony had. Anthony would go on to bounce from job to job, working their way up the corporate ladder until one day they were running their own design studio. I'd already worked for Apple. I'd already worked for Coca-Cola. You know, I'd already worked for like every major brand in advertising. Um, I sat in, you know, pitches at Sony. I sat in front of every movie studio. You know, I had done a lot of things that I think were pretty big. You know, I owned two different design studios that both had good successes. They had achieved all they dreamed of, first making it out of Missouri and finding a place to fit in. They found success and money and had worked so hard to pull themselves out of this poverty they were born into. 
All of this success and the city of L.A. started to corrupt Anthony, leading them to lose who they were along the climb to success. But I'm not really proud of who I was in that time because it's really easy to get caught up in that uh, excitement, in that money. You know, I think I put a lot of emphasis on my success as being part of my identity at the time. And when I moved out of LA, um, I started to find myself again, like as a person, because when I moved to Palm Springs, nobody gave a shit what I did for a living. Like a bunch of old, you know, retired gay people. They don't know anything about advertising or computers or graphic design or whatever. And so it was like, I had to go back to remembering that like who I am has nothing to do with what I do. And, you know, it's taken me years and years to continually sort through that. So I, I look back at the advertising stuff and it just seems like a different world, like a different me. Uh, it's easy to detach from it now because it doesn't, doesn't seem real. As Anthony started to find themselves, their own art became a much bigger importance along that process. I wasn't doing much art by hand. The work that I was doing was like highly creative. It was all concept work. So it was like um, I would help land jobs, basically. You know, so they go in to pitch the job and I would help on the pitches. I was kind of spending all my creative energy on that. And then um, in 2006, my business partner at the time, um, he and his girlfriend were getting married. And I thought, well, I'll do something special for their wedding and I'm going to paint something. So that was the first time I'd like done a painting in probably 10 years. But that was kind of the thing that got me started again it was like oh yeah i really enjoyed doing this (laughs) so for the next four years anthony was painting on the side for fun and even landed a couple of group shows and solo shows just by word of mouth then in 2010 anthony moved to arizona and used the garage of the home as an art studio to start painting more often and then had a meeting with an art consultant to see if they could do this full-time i had this random conversation with a art consultant in 2011. And I just kind of wanted to gauge like if this was something I could do because at this point, the whole lowbrow scene had popped up. Graffiti had made its way into art galleries. You know, there was all this stuff happening in the art world that I felt like, okay, the work I'm doing actually could fit in this world. And um, he basically told me, well, you have the skills and you have the visual appeal and all that. He's like, but you don't have the work ethic. He's like, you don't paint enough. And I was like, yeah, shit, he's right. (laughs) You know, I was basically just painting whenever I had a show or whenever I was invited to do something or whatever. I wasn't making it a daily practice. And so I think it was about 2012 where I just kicked everything into full gear. Along with trying to achieve a career and being a full-time artist, Anthony was growing sick and tired of the advertising world. 
Yeah, I thought advertising was going to be enough. I thought that that would be enough of an outlet for me creatively. It was good money, whatever. And it was also just like super taxing and stressful. And I really didn't enjoy it, but it was hard to get out of it because the money was good. After a few more years of working toward their art dreams, Anthony finally was able to leave advertising for good in 2016 and officially became a full-time artist. Were you concerned at all about leaving advertising behind and and doing like, you know, contemporary art full-time? Oh, I'm always worried. I'm still worried. But I mean, nothing is certain. (laughs) You know, the advertising world has changed hugely since I left. There's no way I could go back. I, I also have learned what it's like to be out of that environment, and I never would want to put myself back there. No, I don't. I feel like no matter what the struggle, this is my job. There's times when two or three months can go by with no sales. You just have to be as prepared as possible. And that's all I can do. But I've also, I've, I've failed and I've succeeded enough to know that neither of them matters. <laughs> Failing is fine. Succeeding is fine. I can fail. I can lose my studio. I could lose, you know, whatever. And I can still start over. Whatever whatever is necessary to adapt to the changes of the world is what I will do. Because that's just the reality of being an artist. For Anthony, their art was the most pure expression of themselves that they could tell to the world. Art was probably the realist uh, expression of me. You know, nothing I did in advertising was a real expression of me. It's tricky because I've been through a few different um, stylistic shifts. Um, You know, what I was doing back then was completely different than what I was doing, you know, five years later and then five years after that. (laughs) And now, now, um, So, uh, it's, you know, there are components that definitely, you know, like color is always a big part of my, my world. And and it was even back when I was doing design work and, uh, you know, so that's pretty consistent. Yeah. You're just always kind of trying to find yourself. Anthony will do whatever it takes. Because when obstacles get in their way, instead of sinking, Anthony keeps on swimming. From looking for a place to belong and working their butt off to achieve success to finding it and then losing themselves and then luckily finding themselves again, Anthony's journey has made them who they are. And without those experiences, Anthony would most definitely not be the person they are today. All of my failures, all of my successes have led me to where I am today making this podcast episode. I have no idea I would be doing this and have no real certainty for how long I'll be doing this, but I hope that for the time I do spend working on these episodes and trying to tell these stories, that they connect with listeners who need to hear them the most. This podcast was recorded, edited, written, produced, and everything else by me, Jacob Johnson, the one-man band of narrative podcasting. If you enjoy this episode, don't leave me hanging. 
help spread the word, send the show to any friends, family, or even institutions you think need to hear it. I can't do this without you. Thank you. Thank you.